very next verse reminds us about why we should be involved in the matter of giving. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And uh, really, that is a tremendous basis and a tremendous uh, foundational principle upon which we should determine the matter of, of giving. You say, well, pastor, we made the commitment this morning, and, and, um, and we're done that. Yes, we are, but we don't need to stop practicing what's found in this scripture. And, um, and I didn't have opportunity. I'm preaching the passage actually backward. I would like to go back to the beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, for a couple reasons this, e- this evening, all right? Not because we need to preach on the matter because we're not giving, because it's evident from what was committed this morning in the matter of missions that, that we are. But, uh, but to think a little bit further about what God expects and to just stir your mind and challenge you about, not just about giving, but actually about the will of God. Because if you remember, if you look at verse 5, He says, and this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us. And remember that last phrase is what? By the will of God. And uh, what they did in the matter of giving as they gave to provide, and we'll talk a little bit more about that this evening, they did it by the will of God. It was by the direction of God, and it was in the plan of God for their lives. And um, was challenged about that even once again this week as I went back over uh, some of this passage we didn't have opportunity to look at a little bit deeper. So I'm preaching backwards. I started in chapter 9. We're going back to chapter 8. But uh, I hope that the principles this evening we learn uh, will, will challenge us, not just about being a faithful giver, which I am rejoicing in what God has done, but in all areas of life, that we would just be concerned with what does God will for me? What does God want uh, for my life? So let's uh, just ask God to, uh, to give us his wisdom, his help, as we look at this uh, portion of 2 Corinthians 8. Father, I'm thankful for the word of God and for the opportunity you've given me again this evening to uh, address and look at the subject in the word of God dealt with very extensively in these chapters on, on giving and, uh, and just about what you would have for us and how we determine what you'd have us to do. I am so thankful for what took place this morning that we could rejoice in, not just the provision of 30,000, but over 40,000 uh, committed to the matter of missions this year. And, and Lord, we, we know that you've got to provide um, and, and we know that if this won't be accomplished, it won't actually come in unless you do uh, and work miraculously. And we're thankful that we can trust you to do that now as you've worked in our hearts. And so help us to understand giving better this evening, but just help us to understand the will of God better this evening from the time that you give us. And Father, I, I thank you that uh, you've given us passages as these to just help us think through what you want for our lives. So please use the time this evening to benefit us and help us think about this subject just as we had opportunity again this morning to rethink the matter of being a witness for Jesus Christ and help us to just be committed to missions and, um, and have a love for it as we were stirred about last week. And we'll thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, by the way, just want you to know that uh, the, the uh, 
offerings and the, the commitment didn't end this morning. Um, we actually right now are at uh, 43,728. And uh, so it was um, great to, to hear that there were some others that didn't, weren't able to get theirs in uh, this morning, but, um, but they did since. And uh, so uh, I really am excited about what, uh, what, what we can do and what will, God will allow us to do in the days ahead. As, uh, as those monies come in and what we can do for missions. So it's an exciting thing. There's a lot of things for us to consider. If you'd pray for wisdom, uh, we may not come out with something just right away because, again, what, was, what, what, we, what we're using this year is what was committed and given in the past year, um, but I think we still may be able to do some things. So we need wisdom and to discernment. Uh, some of our missionaries, as uh, uh, even we've talked about before are under-supported, so we need God's wisdom with that and just direction and what he'd have us to do in missions in this coming year. So if you just uh, pray for God's direction and wisdom as I will talk with the men and other things, that would be greatly appreciated. And, uh, and also if you'd pray about um, just our outreach, um, it's, it's become... It's, it's difficult enough in our area to uh, make contact with people and do things as far as visitation. Uh, we've talked for a few years now, a few different years. Last year, we were going to get it started, and we had COVID hit, uh, but uh, we're um, still seeking to do something. In fact, I'm hoping in the next week we'll have something a little more concrete, um, have a company I'm working with right now for um, just getting postcards to new residents and then getting that list of people that we contact every month. They say within, I think he did it, four miles of our church, there are uh, well over 100 people, 100 move-ins every month. Um, yes, okay, so w- that's within four miles of our church. If you want a perspective on that, that would be, uh, you know, four miles all the way around, but uh, four miles will get us almost to downtown Franklin. Um, and so there's a, a great, great need and a great opportunity, and uh, we want to take advantage of that. And if God gives us a list of people that we can contact, I think that's going to be a blessing as well. So um, we can't send, we we can't afford <laughs> to send uh, notes to every one of those if it's uh, well over a hundred. But it looks like we might be able to do about a hundred every month, and uh, and have that uh, contact with people in some way as they're making a move, and perhaps very well contemplating where to be involved in a church. So if you'll pray about that, we'd appreciate that as well. All right, you're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Had a number of things that we just said there, I know, kind of introductory. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, God is still dealing with the subject of giving, and he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. So verses 1 through 6 
tell us and give us a picture, an example that God wanted to use in the churches at, at Corinth so that they would make the right decision and follow God's leading in the matter of, remember what we called it and what many call it, grace giving. So this evening, we're going to look at that example of grace giving. We've had an opportunity already. Uh, let me just quickly go over it, what we did. We talked about an expression of God's will, that grace giving is an expression of God's will. We learned as well that grace giving is an expectation of believing, uh, believers. And then we explained grace giving. It's principle giving. Remember chapter 9 and verse 6. Uh, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And so what we do and how we give determines how God works on our behalf in the matter of giving. We learned as well that it is purposeful giving. Remember in verse uh, 7, every, every man is to give according as he purposeth in his heart. Not as someone has manipulated his, twisted his arm and made him feel bad and told, told the, you know, the poor starving children in Africa story, uh, but that uh, as they con contemplate what God has done and how God has blessed and as well what God has given them, then that they make a decision based upon that with God's direction in their heart and out of a love for God. And we heard that preached last week. And then we also said it's not hassled giving, all right? Not grudgingly, not out of, or of necessity. By the way, I really believe that, uh, that a lot of uh, appeals for offerings in churches, seriously, that a lot of them are misguided because they often focus on appealing to the, the, the senses of making someone feel bad if they don't give. Uh, and yes, you should feel bad if you don't give. I understand that but not out of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver, okay? And uh, you've heard it so many times, but it is a hilarious giver. Um, uh, first, I've never seen it happen where people started laughing as they were getting their offering, but God does love that cheerfulness, that when I, I give because I am so happy to be able to give, not because I have to. And then it's... Um, and then we learned it's providential giving because I can't give unless God provides it. And, you know, here's the truth. Uh, $43,000, where's that going to come from? And you, you, you can say what you want, but I, I don't think many of us have that in, in the bank at this point. And uh, uh, so we are, we are trusting God to provide this. And I'm thankful that we can do that, but it's providential giving. I have to always understand that unless God provides it, it's not going to happen. I heard, read a story about a couple, and things were so tight. The husband and wife were sitting at the table and asked this question, do we buy food this week or tithe? And those are questions that people have had to answer. I, I'm thankful that that, uh, that hasn't really been all that much a question in my life. I haven't been at the place so desperate but, you know, things have been tight in, in our lives throughout the years, and you could probably share the same about how, hey, look, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how God can do this, but, but God can. And throughout the years, I've seen God provide. I'm thankful for that. Um, but we have a wonderful example for us in 2 Corinthians 8 in the first six verses, a, a tremendous example about this grace giving. So, Let's look at the subject once again and ponder it uh, this evening. And I hope you'll be challenged by the churches at Mas of Macedonia. 
because these believers, various churches that were gathered around in the Macedonian area, different cities, that these churches uh, collectively were challenged by God to give, and they did that very thing. So let me share, let's begin the example this evening. I got about five things to say from the passage. First, notice the channel through which giving commenced. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. I actually had planned to jump into the church and talked about verse 2. But the more I read through this passage, even this week, uh, there's an important truth in verse 1. You know, grace giving is not God dumping a financial blessing in your lap, and then you're able to say, okay, what do I do now? Because that's not what happened with the churches of Macedonia. Grace giving is when, when God strengthens me enough, if you would, to do something I can't do in and of myself. And what it happened to be specifically was the matter of giving here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But you know, God's grace is extended in many ways in the matter of salvation. God's grace is God enabling me to do something that I can't do of my own self. I can't save myself. So God extends grace my way. And that grace then enables an undeserving sinner to do something. It empowers me to do something I can't do on my own. Well, that's what grace is here. Is God enabled in a way that they could not do of themselves. So grace giving isn't God dumping a financial windfall in my lap so I have abundance and can easily give. But grace giving is God's supernatural enabling so that I can do something I couldn't do in my own power. And if you read these verses, you'll understand what grace giving is because these people didn't have power. They didn't have ability. They didn't have a lot. It's amazing to me how many times I've talked with missionaries and how they, they will say, you know, when you ask about, well, uh, what happens when you go to churches and other things like that? And I have heard many times, and I think even the Morrises have said this before, you just never know what kind of offering you're going to get at churches. And sometimes you'll go to a church with like 10 or 15 people. Not kidding. Just a small little group of believers that have really nothing. And the preacher may even work a full-time job. And sometimes the biggest offering they get while in deputation is from this church of, of, you know, 10 or 15 people. It's an amazing thing how God works in people like that and many times to just provide. And then sometimes they'll go to a church of 1,000 and, and, and they may get some like piddly little offering that hardly, you know, would, would meet the needs of anyone and maybe doesn't even pay for the gas that it took them to get to the church that they were at. And uh, there, it was, it's just a reminder that uh, what it takes is people who are willing, but it also takes a God who's gracious. And then I need to realize that if I'm going to give, if, if I'm going to give the, the amount that, that my wife and I have committed to this year, it's going to be because, because God bestows grace. And by the way, if I give any other way, I'm not giving grace giving. Um, I need to always understand, and this is something that sometimes is a struggle, and this, this, is, this is a dangerous thing to say, with people who have a budget. Um, sometimes we get so set in our way, we've got it all figured out. And we've got it all manipulated, so we just write the check because, well, we've got a budget. 
We can do this. Now, that's a wonderful thing, but that's also a dangerous thing. You say, well, well what's the danger? The danger is that I've done it myself. I figured it, I worked it into my budget, and I've got this amount, and I can do this. And so I just give my check because, well, hey, I, you know, I already figured that out of my budget, so we're going to make it fine. When in reality, when I give, every time I give, I just need to remind myself, God has given me this. Does that make sense? Look, this year, every time you give to missions, you just need to remind yourself, okay, this is what God has graciously given me. And um, when I give to church, I need to remind myself of that. In fact, as I, when I first started working on this passage in prepar- preparation for a few weeks ago, and then came back to it again because I hadn't preached these first few verses, and I came to verse 1 this past week, I just uh, reminded myself, that I have to be careful that we don't that I don't fall into the trap of well look we've just done it and I don't think about the fact that God is the one who's given this and God is the one who is enabled and if God didn't I wouldn't be able to do this and um, it, it is it's it's God providing so if I'm doing it in and of myself. I don't know if it's really following 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But if I'm doing it with the understanding God is enabling me, and thus I'm, I'm able to do this, that is when I find the joy of giving. And it's a challenge of verse 1 because it was that God had bestowed this on the church that allowed them to be able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And it wasn't because they had a lot. And you're going to see that, and I, we've, we've heard about it before. It's been a long while since we've preached on this for, first portion, at least a number of years. But look, if you would, in verse 2. So we learned first the channel through which giving is, uh, is commenced. But notice their condition in verse 2. Um, he says, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Um, now, I, I don't even, it, it's Sunday night, so as uh, we say, say all the time, we're preaching to the choir, right? And it's already being done, and it's obvious from what took place this morning. But can I remind you that giving has nothing to do with how much you have? Giving really has nothing to do with how much you have. The, the truth is, everyone should give, no matter what they have. Now, I don't know how much, because in this passage, God doesn't specifically deal with that. He deals with our heart. It is amazing how much he deals with our heart in this passage. God doesn't say, this is the amount. This is the percentage, even, in this chapter. It's, but, but notice, if you would, in verse 2, because he hits on and he helps us to understand that these people got involved in giving and they didn't have it to give. I mean, if you looked at this church, you would have said, they're doing that. You know, just like missionaries do. 15 people and they gave me a check for $1,000. How did that happen? What rich person is in this church? And quite honestly, it might not be. When Paul looked at the 
churches of Macedonia. He didn't see a group of people say, wow, look at the money they have. You know when he looked at the churches of Corinth? He said, wow, look at the money they have. Because you read through these chapters, and, and you'll see him talking about the fact that they had bountiful. In fact, he said this. It's interesting. He said, you know, to church at Corinth, I don't expect you to cover the whole bill. In essence, he said, quite honestly, everyone's to have a part in this. Everyone's to be moved. And if everyone is moved as God wants, then, then God will care for the needs. But if you have abundance, then you have a greater opportunity to give. And you don't have much. You still have opportunity to give, but God doesn't expect you to do as much. God wouldn't expect, seriously, God wouldn't expect the church of 40 people to give as much of a, as a church of 100 people. Although a, a church of 100 people might not be able to give as much as a church of 40 people, depending upon the area and the, and the income of the people that are in that church. We understand that because giving is supposed to be uh, from someone not based on their condition, not much how much they can give, but based upon their heart. So notice the condition of, of these people. Um, if you've said before, well, I just can't do this, then look at verse 2 and ask yourself the question, uh, don't you, do you think that the churches at Macedonia could do it? Let me ask you, if someone described you as someone in deep poverty, would God expect you to give? All right, we, we understand that truth. We say that truth. But here's a church who exemplified that. Three things are said about them, and uh, they are, they are uh, you say, reasons that cause us to question. Actually, not all three. Two of, them, two of the three do. First is that it was a time of great testing and trial, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. So the first thing was a great trial of affliction. Um, if you were going through a time of great testing, the prospect of being in prison, maybe even your life being taken, and that were a real scenario, would you not think it's reasonable to keep your nest egg? Seriously. Okay, um, I think maybe, well, I don't know, maybe anyone could understand the grasp of this, but I think a father could. If you had the prospect of someone taking you and putting you in prison and knowing that your wife and kids would be left without an income, what would you be thinking about when you came to the matter of giving to church? Come on, seriously, what would you be thinking of? I, I can't do it because I got my family. I may, they, I may end up in, in jail. Hey, look, that was reality for these churches. I may end up in jail. I mean, uh, there's people that are going around putting Christians in, in prison. So there's this great trial of affliction that's coming on this church. So human nature just says, I can't give now. I mean, I just got to, we don't have a lot as it is. And so I got to keep this because if I end up in, if I end up in prison, if I end up in jail, what's my wife going to do? What are the kids going to do? So men could do that. You know what wives would be saying? What am I going to do if my husband ends up in prison? And the, the breadwinner is gone. And no one will hire me because I'm a Christian. Because my husband was put in jail. And they know what that means. 
you see how amazing the churches at Macedonia were. And we'll talk about the reason why, but it's just so challenging because they didn't have, they were in a situation where you say, I don't, just don't know if I could give. And yet they still had a heart to give. The second thing is they had great joy. Well, that's a good reason, right? Hey, I got great joy. That's a good time to hit people up. But, but the great joy came where and from whom? This is, this is a tremendous another lesson in itself. Because they were in a great trial of affliction. That, that, that second statement actually kind of doesn't make sense, does it? You know, great trial of affliction, but great joy. When these people gathered together, seriously, it was a great time. They were happy people. Uh, what an amazing thing, because God had obviously done that. And because God had done that, it seems obvious that they were in the place and ready to give then. And then the third thing we see about them, what does it tell you? That they had, um, they had a great stash of money. It doesn't tell you that, all right? No, no, no version tells you that. At least I don't think any version. I didn't check other versions, but I don't think any version. I, I don't care what it is. We'll tell you that. It says, and their deep poverty. You know, Paul didn't just say they, they were having a rough time. He said what? Deep poverty. They had, they had nothing. Profound poverty. Now, that's not a good time to be asking people to give more to the cause of Christ. By the way, uh, preachers fall into this trap, uh, and, and sometimes we, like when we talk about giving, we get apologetic, and, and we shouldn't. Because God has asked us to preach on the subject and because God has put it in Scripture. Um, but what's interesting is, according to what we find in this passage, no one asked these, church, this church, these churches to give in Macedonia. No one asked them. Isn't that amazing? You, you know why they probably didn't ask them? Because they were in trial of affliction and they were in deep poverty would have thought sure anything can't do anything oh. it seems like the church begged Paul Paul must not have been a Baptist I, I really I really feel like that he had he had a spiritual problem because because you know I there's few Baptist preachers that would have to be begged to take an offering you know but it seems like praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So it, it seems like they almost begged them, but these were in deep poverty. And again, that's not a good time to be giving. But what's interesting is that they weren't asking the church to give. They just did it. And it's amazing to me to see how often God uses people, not who have a lot, but people who love. public speaker told this story. He said, in the winter of 1990, I was asked to appear on a television talk show in Toronto, uh, Canada. At the end of the first day of taping, I was on my way back to my plush, high-rise, cable TV, 24-hour room service hotel when I saw something I'd never seen before. 
Lying on the sidewalk against the building in four inches of snow was a man sleeping with only a cardboard blanket to keep him from being completely exposed to the freezing cold. What broke my heart was when I realized he wore no shoes or socks. I thought to stop and help him, but wasn't quite sure what to do. The traffic light turned green. It seemed life was demanding that I move along, so I did. Back in the anything I wanted was mine environment of my hotel, I forgot about the man on the street. Several days later, prior to the morning taping, I was having coffee in a Danish in the green room at the station. All of the important people had left the room. It was just me and, and the janitor remaining. I had seen him quietly go about his business every day while I was there. He never said a word except, good morning, or can I do anything for you, sir? He always had a smile to give to everyone. Well, I asked him how he was feeling today since there was no one else to have a conversation with, and he told me he had been having to ride his bike to work in the snow, and he'd been feeling sorry for himself. That is, until he saw a man sleeping down on the corner of Yong Street and Bloor with just a piece of cardboard for covering from the cold and no shoes or socks. I almost choked on my Danish as I heard him relate how he was so moved with compassion for the man that he went around the corner to his store, bought the man a pair of socks and shoes. As I heard his story, I saw in my mind a poster that used to be in an old friend's bedroom when I was a teenager. It was a picture of a child handing someone a flower, and the caption read, the smallest deed always exceeds the grandest of intentions. I stood there wishing it was me who had bought the shoes and socks for the man when they called my name to come to the set. Here was a speaker who did not meet a need, though he had plenty from which to provide for it, a man who was riding a bike through the snow to work because he couldn't afford a car. He took the little money he had to meet a need. Which one did God use? You know, that's often the case when, when it comes to giving. The issue is not, what do I have? The issue is, what does God will? And may we live that way. It's easy to make excuse. We're going through a rough time. We don't have the money to give. But those aren't the standard for giving. And the churches at Macedonia teach us that. Because it was in a great trial of affliction and deep poverty. That, and this is amazing, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. And amazed Paul all the more that he used them as an example. But notice the third thing, their consecration. Verse 3, it says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Now we're going to skip verse 4, but look at verse 5. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first, what did they do? Gave their own selves, to the Lord. We've been talking about God's will being done in 2021. And here we're coming around 
to that subject again. Because quite honestly, what they did here is a picture of Romans 12, 1 and 2. It is. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right. How does a Christian prove the will of God? We're going to look at Romans chapter 12. Uh, maybe, Lord willing, next week as we prepare for revival and as we consider our theme for the year. But do you know how they determined what God wanted for them? They determined it by giving themselves to God, not by looking at their budget, their checkbook. But they gave themselves to God, and then they gave themselves to give as God already had. And, and that really is where, where giving starts. We could talk about love because that comes right after this. He talks about the love of Christ and how he gave himself. And he was poor. He made himself poor. Oh, he was rich for our sakes. And this, he gave himself. He presented himself. Okay, my, my meat is to do the will of the Father. And so it is their consecration that really, I believe, is the key to the first five verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And it quite honestly is the key to giving. Once I give myself to God, then God is able to direct me what his will is. And the truth of the matter is, I won't give like I ought if I haven't first given myself to God. And that's a, a real challenging thought. And, um, you, you know, if you haven't done that, then, then quite honestly... You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle with what you should give. And you're going to struggle struggle with the matter of giving. So their consecration is important, and then uh, their conduct is great because uh, he says in verses three and four, they gave themselves to God. He directed, and they gave, and this giving was beyond what Paul expected, and we saw that in verse four. What did they have to do? They. they they praying us with much entreaty we would receive the gift. Do this. Now, actually, some explain verse 4 in this way. Um, you remember um, in the book of Acts, a guy by the name of Agabus? You remember anyone mentioning that name? Okay. He, he prophesied that there was going to be a, a time of, of uh, yeah, drought in, in Jerusalem. And many believe that what was going on in verse 4 is that the churches of Macedonia, even in their poverty, said, okay, if that's going to happen, if that's coming, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give ourselves to God and ask God what he wants us to do. They collected this offering, and then they went to Paul, and they said, look, uh, we, we want to give this. So that was, that was amazing to him, obviously, because he uses them as an example because they had given themselves to God. And then they were asking Paul as well, we want you to, to, to do this. We want you to take the gift. And do you know that Paul did later do that and headed to Jerusalem with the gifts from the church? And many believe that this is what is being talked about here, that Paul was dealing with this. 
I don't know how well we can actually prove that to be the case, but it does seem to be at least a legitimate explanation for what was taking place. And so he was saying, look, we want you with us to be involved in this. We want you, Paul, to take the offering, and we're giving the offering so that these people, can, the needs can be met. Would you do it? And so uh, it seems like Paul was willing to do such, but their conduct was they gave themselves to God, God directed, and they gave, and then they just said, hey, this is what needs to be done, and would you please take the gift and bring it to Jerusalem and meet the needs of those who are suffering? And that, by the way, is in Acts eleven twenty-eight. if you want to look it up sometime. But notice this. He says, take upon us the fellowship of the what? Ministering to saints. You know, the word is, it's ministry, it's serving. Uh, just as a, as a challenge or maybe as a reminder, but that when I give, I'm serving. And, and understand this. I, I'm, I'm serving God, yes, but I, I'm serving those that it goes to. Um, do you realize every month we have an opportunity to serve the Peros? Every month we have an opportunity to serve the Morrises. Every month we have an opportunity to serve uh, these missionaries, the, the parks that our church supports. Uh, we had an opportunity to serve the Lapinos by, by giving to them as they came to minister to us. And, and God has given us that opportunity, Brother Zacharias, um, who was called something else last Sunday with Brother Lupino. Um, but, uh, you know, every time we have opportunity to give, let's not forget that this is a way that we minister to people. And this is a way that we serve people. And when we do something for one another, because the giving doesn't just involve... It doesn't just involve giving to the church to meet the needs of the work here so it can go on and so we can have heat in the building and, and we can look to maybe someday getting a piece of property and other things like that. But this is a way for me to serve others. So I can prepare a meal and take the expense, if you would, and the cost of that. And I, it's an opportunity for me to just serve. So every time I give, it's, it's just my, my service to God and my service to, to fellow believers. And that should give me a bond with these people, and a concern for these people. And quite honestly, it's a challenge to missions. Because sometimes we just give money and then we forget about it. But um, the Vanderhoofs, if, if, we're, if we're serving them by giving to them, we should be interested and concerned about what's going on in their life and ministry. And God has granted us an amazing ability to contact people in ways we've never been able to do. Isn't that true? I mean, today, you and I, can, most of us, can call the Peros and talk to them. She had an opportunity to talk to the ladies last, last week. You know, live, if you will. That's an amazing thing. Do you, do you realize that when, when, when I was growing up, <laughs> in the old days, the only time you heard about a missionary was when a letter came. Well, that letter had to come overseas. By the time you received it, seriously, they tell you to be praying about something, but that, it was about a month old because it would get to the home church. Then the home church would mimeograph it. 
And they would send it out to all these other, to, to, to the other churches that were supporting them. And honestly, you just wouldn't know. Now, it is an amazing thing that, that you and I can, we can, we can text, we can, we can email, and they will hear today. Well, it'd be tomorrow for the Peros, almost. Tomorrow. It would be tomorrow for the Vanderhoofs. It would be one in the morning, and they wouldn't appreciate a text that woke them up. But, but the point is that if we're ministering, that we should care more about, not just about the fact that they got money, but we should really be caring about what's going on in their lives. And can we be challenged about that? Um, that, that we would have not just a part in saying, okay, I did my part now, but... Uh, this is one way I can serve, and here's another way I can serve. Um, I asked someone to get a hold of the Morrises this past week, and someone volunteered to do that. I think it'd be good if someone else did that this week. Um, so I'm going to ask. I'm not supposed to do that in the middle of the message. I'm going to ask. Would someone do that this week? Just take a few minutes. To, okay? All right. Well, let's, let's get two, all right? Let's get the, the Slushers and, and the Schwankies, all right? And uh, just in some way... Make a contact with the Morrises this week. Um, uh, someone willing to take on another missionary? Why don't you Why don't you pray about it? Uh, just think about a way way you can do a ministry to, to one of the folks in our that that we support, because we minister to them by giving, but we should minister to them in other ways as well. And let's do what we can for the cause of Christ. All right, so. I wanted to tie everything together. In fact, this is what I want to do. Here's the exhortation to grace giving. And you already, you already did this, so, but that's okay. Let me just, let me just kind of give you a, a picture and, and give you like six things, all right? First is, the question is not if I should give, but how much should I give? That's always the question when it comes to giving. Not if I should give, but how much should I give? And that's based on chapter 9, verse 1, and verse 7. It's not if, but it's how much. Uh, then... Secondly, the question is not, what can I afford to give? This is a touchy one. But what does God want me to give? Not what can I afford to give, but what does God want me to give? You'll have that chance in a couple weeks when uh, Dr. Bear is here. I don't know what his needs are, and I usually don't talk with, with people about those things. I don't ask specifics. And very rarely will that even come up in conversations because the guys we have have the attitude God will provide, and he does. It's an amazing thing. But when you're asked about that and when we have the offering, it really isn't should I give because that's not the question. It's, it's how much. And then it's not what can I afford, but what does God want me to give? And if I'll give accordingly to what God wants me to give, it'll be sufficient. It really will. Because God is able to make grace abound. And then he's able to meet your need if he asks you to give more than you think you possibly could. You know, it's that ouch factor, the ooh factor that he was talking about last week. Um, and the third thing is, I will first give myself to God and then give as he leads me. And maybe that should have been number one. I will first give myself to God and 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 give as he leads me. And that's chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Um, the fourth thought, 
tying everything together in these two chapters is my attitude is how much more can I give as I remember that the amount of sowing affects the return. Um, let me ask you, if I, if I told you that uh, there's a, a surefire investment, now you, when I say that, you'd say, okay, forget it. But if I told you there is a surefire investment that I could promise you would bring back a return far greater than anything you put in, and if you knew that to be the truth, how many would be involved in putting into it? Okay, now don't, don't say, well, preacher, I would never trust a preacher when it comes to this. All right, I understand that. All right, but, but if, I could, if I could absolutely guarantee it, I'd probably do everything that you possibly could. Get more to that. I've, I've told you about an investment. I, I asked a guy, I had, God had given us something one time, dollars. And uh, so I asked a financial guy, look, is there, a, is there a stock that I could buy from a company that, you know, looks promising? It's maybe a little bit weak now. And the, he said, this is the one I'd invest in. And, um, and so I, I took that $1,000, put it on there, and you say, man, you got ripped off. Well, no, actually, well, yes and no. Um, in the first year, it went, it went from like 25 cents a share, seriously, that's down to about four cents a share, and they actually took it off the stock market. No one could buy it because it was, it was so bad, and you're, and you're laughing now. You say, you lost $1,000. It was that way for about a year, and it came back on the stock market, and I'm going up to about uh, $1.50 a share, so that $1,000 became seven. Six, six or seven thousand dollars. You say, man, if I could get involved in something like that, I'd do it. You know, just a couple of years, thousand dollars, I would too. <laughs> in fact, when it was down three or four cents, uh, I, I was kicking myself for not buying another thousand, you know, for 40 bucks or something to that effect. Because at that time, it would have just, I mean, that would have been a huge investment at the time. Because Anyone in the right mind, if I knew it was going to happen, would get involved in that. All right, so what does God say? What does God promise will happen in, in chapter 9? That if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. All right, take God in his word. And that's the kind of attitude I need to have. Um, and I'm thankful for men that have preached that and taught it. It's not how much, but how much more can I give? Because the amount of sowing affects the return. And then uh, the fifth thing, I'll do this with the right attitude. Chapter 9, verse 7. And I, I won't say, oh, there's my $1,000 is gone. Won't see that again. Uh, just... Trust God in it. And then um, the, the, the sixth thing is, I will give as he provides. And, and that's the truth. Do, do you know when uh, preaching is done on faith promise, sometimes I think it's misdirected. 
Um, you don't find in the Bible people giving what they don't have. You find people promising what God does to give out of that or they give from what God has given them. The churches of Macedonia didn't say, in the next year I'm going to give such and such to missions. They were in deep poverty. God worked in their heart and they gave from what And uh, it was amazingly more than Paul ever thought they would give, but that's because their heart was right in the whole thing. And they gave God had given to them. And that needs to be our attitude. You know, if God has given this to me, he's been good. And as he provides, I'm going to give. And I don't have a problem with, obviously, we wouldn't have a commitment Sunday. Someone saying, this is what I, I, I foresee God doing uh, in and, and through me as I pray about it. But giving is really just, it's giving what God has given to me. And understand that truth. So here, here's the fact. I, I, I do not expect you to give what you committed today unless God gives you that this year. And if he gives you that, you better give it. Because if you don't, you're going to have to do business with him. And, and that's not, I'm not trying to scare you with that, but you better give it because he gave it to you to give. But I just need to understand when I do give, it's because he's provided. And if we'll just take that exhortation from this passage and give, then um, uh, uh, there, there's no telling what's going to happen for the cause of Christ. No telling what blessing we could be to Dr. Bear or to our, our missionaries or what a blessing you'll be to this pastor because this work is dependent upon the giving of God's people. And... Um, and, and, and my giving is dependent on your giving. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <clears throat> um, actually, the truth is, it's not your giving that's going to provide for me to give. It's going to be God who provides for me to give. But the, here's the, the great thing is God may use you. And then that's just a, a tremendous thing. That God uses people. The Church of Jerusalem could look back and say, you know, God used, used these people in Macedonia that had nothing that we might have something. And, uh, and everyone rejoices. It's that win, 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 win situation and giving too. And may we just learn that. Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for the chance to look at this.